So we're in this series that we've titled Momentum. And a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our seven-year birthday here at Walk Church. We're still excited about it. And, um, and every year, I feel like the Holy Spirit gives me a word that we can lean into for the next year and really just grow from, eat from, learn from, and really dig deeper into. And I felt like that was the word that he gave me. It's the word uh, Momentum. And that's what I want us to focus on over the next several weeks. We're talking about what does it look like to have momentum as an individual, and what does it look like for us to have momentum as a church family. Let me go ahead and define the word momentum for us so we can all be on the same page. It means to have forward motion, the quantity of motion of a moving body, strength or force that's gained by motion. It's momentum. It's generally used to mean increasing forward motion. So as you see this phrase, forward motion, I have the wristband on right here that says forward motion. It's up here on the screen. What we're talking about is that the local church, especially, specifically here at Walk Church, would have a sense of force to it. And it wouldn't be a force that's found in this world. It'd be a force that's, that's found in him. Amen? It'd be a force that comes from God. It would be the Holy Spirit that's driving this train, this ship, this church, this community of people, it's him. It, and, it, and he gives momentum. And so we want to experience momentum in three areas. I talked about these three. Family momentum as a church family. We want to grow deeper in connection with one another. Um, in the area of leadership momentum, where we're not just attenders, but we're leaders in the places that God has put us. And then in the area of kingdom, George talked about kingdom collaborations, one of our values. Um, Jesus did not say, seek first the church. He said, seek first the kingdom, that God is passionate about all the people that are not here today, that, that God loves people that don't know him yet. In fact, Jesus died for people that don't know him yet and that we would maybe be able to introduce people and serve people and love people the way he's done for us. That's kingdom momentum. So we're talking about those three. The past couple weeks, we've talked about family momentum. If you're ready, say ready. If you're hungry, say, let's eat. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word, as we unpack where we came from, as we go into this new sermon today, uh, Holy Spirit, would you so closely and so keenly interrupt us right now and speak to us? Give us focus. Give us ears to hear. Give us a heart that's ready to receive. Even soften our hearts that are hard today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to put a, a reality statement. The first one we talked about a few weeks ago was this. Before joining a church family, you first must join God's family. So how do you have family momentum? The first way you have family momentum is by saying, I'm going to join God's family. I'm not just going to be an orphan spiritually that exists in the world. I live and I die and that was it. No, you're going to know who your creator is and recognize that there is a heavenly father who loves you and had a design for you, a plan for you, and you can get to know him through his son, Jesus. There's three ways you join God's family. I'll put them up. This is recap. You get to know and be a part of God's family through regeneration. It's a biblical word out of Titus 3.5. Regeneration is a spiritual awakening by Christ, where at some point, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his spirit, began to just blow his wind around you. And maybe you were dead to the faith. You didn't want anything to do with Christianity. You didn't want anything to do with the Bible. You didn't want, you had no interest in sin or what not sin. You, didn't, you had no interest in Jesus. He was just a picture of a person on a cross. That was it. But then you started to wake up 
and you started to feel. And you started to sense, you know what? That picture is getting clearer. And that's not just Jesus dying on a cross. That's Jesus dying on my cross. And that I need to recognize him as not just the Savior, but my Savior. And then you are regenerated. You're awakened to the person of Christ. And then you're forced with making a decision. And that's when you put your faith in Jesus. That's when justification comes into place. Because you're guilty before God the Father. You've sinned. You've all fallen short of his glory. If today you said, I've never fallen short. Well, there's your fall. You've already lied today. All of us have blown it, missed it, sinned against God at one time or another. And we need to be saved. And when you put your faith in Christ, you're justified. You actually see Jesus, the lawyer, stand before God, the Father, and say, no, that person is justified by their faith in me. Why? Because I died for their sins, and I rose from the grave and left all their sin in the grave so that I could justify them. That's what makes God the just and the justifier. So God is just, right? Somebody has to pay for the sins. He's just. That's justice. But he's also the justifier because he paid for the sins himself through sending his son to pay the final debt. And praise God for the beautiful gospel. So regeneration, you're awakened. Justification, you put your faith in Jesus. And come on, that's worthy of celebration, isn't it? That's how you join God's family. We should celebrate when other people join God's family. We should celebrate when other people are adopted into the family of God. And why I use that language, adoption, it's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. Paul says, it pleased God before the foundations of the world. Before even God the architect began to write out the blueprint for this world, it pleased God the Father to adopt you into his family. It pleased him. So you're not just like a, a, a burdened addition. Uh, fine, I'll take Daniel into my family. No, no, God is excited about having you into his family. Amen? Come on, Mario. He's excited, and so we celebrate that. There's, there, there's a siren, I believe, that goes off in heaven when somebody is regenerated, justified, and born again. And today, if maybe that's all you needed to hear of the sermon. And you recognize, you know what? I'm far from God. I'm not a part of his family, but I need to take that step and put my faith in Jesus. I want to invite you to do that um, here today. In fact, I just want to pray right now. You might need to do that right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you'd have your way in this place. Uh, we didn't do this in the 9 a.m. This service right here is a one of one. And God, I believe that uh, you, would, you would draw somebody near to you right now. If you've been awakened to the person of Jesus, his blood, his death, his resurrection, his power, right now I want to invite you to respond. Just call on his name. Say, Jesus, I believe. And I'm ready to receive you now as my Lord and Savior. I don't know what tomorrow looks like yet, but I know that you're, you're already there. I, I turn away from my sins. And I put my faith, my trust, my all in you. Lead me, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Somebody, I think, maybe just took that step. Come on. Online or in person. That's how you join God's family. All right? Now let me give you reality statement number two. And if you did do that, please let us know so we can celebrate with you. Reality statement number two is upon joining God's family, it's essential to join a church family. The word essential, by definition, is extremely important. The Oxford Pocket Dictionary defines essential as something that is extremely important. We would say here today 
that it's extremely important that you get attached to a local church family upon being born again, upon receiving Jesus as your Savior. Why? Well, because Jesus gives two metaphors for his church. Do you guys know them? They're two B words. Bride. Somebody said bride. Aren't you glad Jesus isn't divorced? Come on. Amen. amen. Jesus is still married to his bride, amen. known as the church. So if you're one of those people that are like, man, I love Jesus. I just don't mess with church. What does that make you uh, say toward Jesus's bride? <laughs> right? Like Jesus isn't separated. He's with his bride. She is not a perfect bride. The church has all types of different culture and color and dysfunction, but the church is always with the Savior. And Jesus is always with his church. So I would say today, get connected. It's essential that you're, you're married to him as a church member. Uh, the second B word is body, right? Body. Uh, Jesus says, my church is my body. 1 Corinthians 12, we are the body of Christ, the hands and feet of Christ. I'll tell you what, I'm grateful that the picture that I think of when I think of Jesus is not like an arm over there, a leg over there, an ear over there. No, no, he is an intact body, amen? amen? He's the head of his church. So today, if you're like, you know what, man, I'm, you know, I, I'm a believer in Jesus. I just am not connected to his body. That's weird. That, that, that's not biblical. That doesn't make sense. I think somebody, somebody just helped me. I said, give me the other B word. Somebody said branch. I love it, right? We'll give you a third, an extra credit B word. Thank you for helping me with my branch. Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. It doesn't do you no good if you're just a branch dangling around on the ground. The branch cannot produce fruit by itself. The branch has no life outside of being tethered and connected to the vine. A body part doesn't really do much if it's not connected to a body. A bride is not actually a bride if it's not married. So that's why it's essential. Do you catch it? That you're connected to a church family. Last week we talked about how to be a part of this church family. I, I gave two statements, two pictures about what it means when we talk about church. It's the word ecclesia in the Greek language. Uh, the two pictures are this. The universal church, there's minimal references biblically to the universal church. The universal church is a big deal. Don't get me wrong. For example, we have a mission team in South Africa yeah. meeting other brothers and sisters. Amen. Praise the Lord. They're, they're move, God is using this team in great ways. I've been hearing more testimonies um, about how the Lord is at work in, in and through this team. Um, Carrie is in, um, in South America, in Guatemala you know, serving on mission. She's meeting brothers and sisters, part of the universal church in different parts of the nation or the different part of the world. Different continents are, are filled with brothers and sisters. So there is this essence of the big C church, but the majority of references to the word church in the Bible is local. Hence why Paul writes to the church in Galatia, the church in Philippi, the dear church in Rome, to the church in Ephesus, a real city with real people. Paul typically writes after he introduces himself. Paul usually has the word and that follows, right? Paul and Timothy. Paul and Barnabas. Paul and Silas, right? Paul traveled with other individuals, which is a good way to live out your Christian faith. Don't, don't lone ranger it. 
but have an and with you, right? But Paul wrote to specific local context. And, and last week we talked about why it's important to be local, why it's important to have a connection. Well, it's important because we don't want you to be a nomad. A nomad's a wanderer with no home. It's better to be accountable so you know your family. When you're part of a local church, you know who you're accountable to. You got leaders and pastors and elders and shepherds in your life. You got other family members in your life. And then you know who you can be accountable for, right? Because your brothers and sisters need you. There's this moment in the book of Genesis, right, where Cain so demonically kills Abel, right? But right before that, he says this question, am I my brother's keeper? And there was a surrounding, yes, you are. You should know. You should follow. You should help. But friend, I want to encourage you, church family, you should know who your family members are. So join this church family if you feel like this is the right family for you. This isn't the right church family for you. It's okay if you stay a friend, but we're going to keep pushing you to become family. If you're just a guest here today, you're our guest of honor. We love that you're here. You are welcome here anytime. But friend, we want you to become family, right? Because Jesus died for a family. The church is not just an event. You don't go to church. The church is a family you belong to. You're a part of the family. So there's the universal big C, God's family church. You'll see them in heaven. But while we're on earth, God has the beautiful picture of the local church, which is this context. And I'm grateful that I'm not accountable for every believer in Las Vegas. And I'm, a great, and I'm grateful that you're not accountable to every pastor in Las Vegas, right? That we're a part of a church family. And we have a join the family process. And so session two is actually going on uh, right now. And praise God, people are taking steps toward joining the family. We'd love for you to do that at some point as well. We're just going to roll it back out in November. Session three is next week. So um, that leads me to where we're at today. All right. So if you're caught up, say I'm caught up. All right. You're caught up. Now we're going to jump into this next reality statement, which is taking us into our point today. Here's the next reality statement. Upon joining our church family, we encourage every family member to become a leader. I love it. We got one yeah and a clap. I like it. Upon joining our church family, again, I can't speak for every church, but upon joining the Walk Church family, we are encouraging every family member to become a L-E-A-D-E-R, a leader. And I believe that leadership momentum is valuable. I believe that you have potential to become a leader. Let me say that to the middle section. I believe you have potential to become a leader. Online, camera, look at me. I believe you, online, right now, in your living room, have potential to become a leader. Oh, let me hit the right side one time. Hey, uh, you, this side of the room, have potential, you, to become a leader. I hope that everybody hears what I'm saying and feels what I'm saying, and I'm just going to try to give you some scripture and thought and idea on why I believe that's true. One of my favorite definitions for leadership comes from the great leadership guru, John Maxwell. I got a chance to sit under John Maxwell last summer, and uh, he had just came out with his 100th leadership book. How do you write a hundred books on leadership? My goodness. And he's written the books from the mind of a Christian. So his worldview is Christ-centered and biblical. In fact, John Maxwell started out as a pastor. 
and moved into the leadership space and found that God gave him favor with all types of different groups in the context of leadership. Here's what Maxwell says when he writes on this topic. He says, leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Titles don't have much value when it comes to leading. True leadership cannot be awarded, appointed, or assigned. It comes from influence, and that cannot be mandated. It must be earned. And I believe that you and your family have potential to be a leader. And I want to share that with you here today. I want to speak about it with you here today because I'm passionate about leadership, especially within the Christian church. In fact, I have four boys. You guys know if you've been around me, I talk about them a lot. Epaph, Asa, Hayden Jr., and our eight-month-old, Lion. And I tell them all the time, I'll just get right down in their face. I'll look at them in the eyes, and I'll say, you're a leader. I want them to hear that. I look at little eight-month-old, you're a lion little leader. <laughs> Come on. And I don't try to say it in the sense of a pressuring or weird way, but in a sense of an empowering way. I want to encourage you with that reality. So you do act a certain way. You do choose your words wisely. You do grow and, 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 and learn and, and take steps as little young rising leaders. Why not? And that leads me to my question. I'm going to put this first question up on the screen here today. Why become a leader? Why become a leader? All right, maybe just think about that for my note takers. Why, why am I encouraging them to become a leader? Why am I encouraging you to become a leader? And, and I'm going to just tell you right now, the answer is super deep. It's going to be pretty weighty. Are you ready? Here's my answer. Why not? <laughs> I just want to give that to you here today. If you can convince me with a thorough explanation on why not, then maybe I'll revisit this sermon and rework it. But I have not been given a sufficient answer that's convinced me why every person in this room can't be a leader. From the youngest to the oldest, you can become a leader and you can grow in your leadership. Why not? If leadership's influence, why not be an influential person? Why not be an influencer in your locker room? Why not be an influencer in your job? Why not be an influencer in your family? Why not be an influencer in your neighborhood? Why not take the challenge, the baton, to influence those whom God has strategically placed in your life? God is not a God who does things on accident. You are not here today on accident. God is strategically structuring things around you for such a time as this and I believe that Jesus wants you to be a leader. All right, let me take you into question number two. Can I do it? Let me give you question number two. Who is the greatest leader of all time? Jesus. Oh, man, I feel like some people were confident, but other people were still kind of questioning. Let me just go ahead and try it one more time. Who is the greatest leader of all time? Jesus. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. Jesus Christ. Let me just clarify something. Christ is not his last name. Christ is his title. Somebody just got a light bulb like, whoa. Christ, Greek word Christos, translates to the Hebrew word Meshuch. Meshuch. Come on, Andrew. Meshuch. Meshuch. There we go. Yeshua 
Hamashiach, Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the coming anointed one from God who was prophesied from long ago, born of a virgin, came to rescue and save everyone, starting with his hometown in Israel and the gospel is the power of salvation, first to the Jew, then for everybody. Praise God for the beautiful gospel. And that everybody would come to the re uh, realization that they should repent of their sins, which doesn't do much for you, and trust in Jesus the Messiah. Now, why is he the greatest leader of all time? Because I believe one way to measure leadership, like Maxwell says, he says influence. In other words, you can measure leadership through followership. One way to measure a person's leadership capacity is measure their followership. Now listen to me. I am not talking about a cheap social media follow. We have reduced followership in America to a scroll on a timeline. They need to find a better word than follow. I don't know what it is. But at one point in time, to follow somebody actually meant you followed them. These days, if you don't like what they're posting, unfollow. Hey, hopefully they never notice. You know what? Wasn't that big of a deal. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time because of his followership capacity, starting from the beginning of his ministry even till this day. Can I just tell you today, there has not been more hospitals built after a specific person than Jesus. There has not been more songs written about than the person of Jesus. There's not been more t-shirts developed with a statement or name on it than Jesus. And today, there's more people gathered around in different facilities and homes and places all around the world to worship this cat named Jesus Christ. If he's not who he says he is, that's a pretty good deceiver. He is the, people in secular environments can't argue the fact that Jesus is not the greatest leader of all time. Now, do they believe him as Lord and Savior? That's questionable, but they can't deny the fact of his leadership capacity is through the roof. 2,022 years later, still going strong? His book is still the bestseller? And here we are today singing to him, saying you never lost a battle, and you never will. He's the greatest leader of all time. It's not even close. Now I'm about to mess you up with something. Somebody say, mess me up. <laughs> that's faith. That's faith. Thank you for that. Um, I believe, I believe that Jesus never checked in his leadership card. I believe today that Jesus the Messiah is still leading. And I talked about it for a moment. We are the body of Christ. Let me give you a profound scripture out of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Look, look at this verse and look at it closely with me. Don't miss it. It's a big verse. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul says it like this. Check this out. Paul goes, you know what? I'm a decent leader on my own. I got some stuff, but listen, it's no longer I who live. It's actually now Christ, the leader, who lives in me, and I live by faith. So here's what I want. I want to do some, some gospel math with you real quick. 
If Jesus is the greatest leader of all time, and you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and it's now no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you, what does that make you? That makes you a leader. Oh, oh Lord, help me. If the greatest leader of all time is now at work living in you, here's what I mean when I say that. I don't think Jesus ever stopped leading. I just think he leads through his church. That makes you, if Christ lives in you, he's going to lead through you. I love what Major Ian Thomas says as he writes this book called The Indwelling Life of Christ. He says, the best way to live the Christian life is to let him And find all of your hope in the one who was always able to get the job done. Find all of your hope in the reality that Jesus didn't call you to live for him. He actually called you to allow him to live through you. Sometimes I hear this type of Christianity preached and I, it literally makes me cringe. It's this, it's this flavor of Christianity. It's this. Believe in Jesus because he died for you and he loved you and he, and, he, and he gave his life and shed his blood for you. So now you got to go so hard and work hard to earn it because he loved you. And you got to try your best to get his approval. That is not the gospel. The gospel is because you are already loved, because he has already given you his approval, you turn around and love him. You, you, you don't do it to earn it. You do it because it's already been earned by him. He's already purchased everything through his blood. Jesus meant it when he said it is finished. Right? So it's not us now. Let's, man, we got to work hard because, man, we work hard for Jesus, bro. In fact, if you would actually stop working so hard, maybe Jesus would live his life through you. And you know what? It's not hard for Jesus to be Jesus. It's hard for us to get off the steering wheel and say, okay, Jesus, you lead, and I'll follow. Come on. Before we had iPads and tablets and all that, remember there was this game called Follow the Leader. Anybody ever heard of this game? Like people were outside, and they didn't know what to do, so they said, all right, hey, you're going to be the leader, and we're going to be the follow. And then the leader goes, okay, I'm going um, to pat my head, and everybody pats their head. Then I'm going to stomp my feet. Everybody stomps their feet, right? And he gives do these different things, and you follow the leader. Jesus invented that game. Somewhere along the, the lines, we stopped playing that, and we just started going to church. We said, you know what, Jesus? You're a great leader, but we, just, we, we would rather just uh, go to church service and play, you know, <laughs> we jump, jump in the lazy river. Jesus is the greatest leader of all time. He wants to lead through you. Let me show you an example. Matthew chapter 4 shows Jesus' leadership on display. Don't just read about Jesus as the Savior. Read about him also as the leader. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. They're doing their job. They're in their vocation. And he said to them, come on, say it with me, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I love this quote right here from Jesus because Jesus shows his leadership. He says, follow me. Yep. And then he gives vision for their life. I'm going to make you something. 
I'm going to make you something big. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. I'm going to level up your calling to a deeper level. And immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Man, he was a leader. He had influence. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They're mending their nets. Come on, cool day in Galilee. These two brothers mending their nets. They're there with their dad, Zebedee. And Jesus calls them immediately. They left the boat and their father and followed him. I think about leadership. I get this picture in my head. One group of brothers, two individuals in the boat. It says they left their nets and followed him. When they left their nets, what is that saying? One, they left comfort. Two, they left security. Peter said, you know what? Hey, if anything, I can always come back to fishing. In fact, when, Jesus, when Peter denied Jesus, what did he do? He went right back to fishing. For God, he left his net. He said, you know what? I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to let go of my net. I'm going to let go of the comfort. I'm going to let go of what I know to embrace something I don't know. I'm going I'm to let go of this boat. These cats even said, I'm going to let go even of my earthly father, not in a dishonoring way, but in a way that says, I want to fulfill my purpose in following Jesus. That's leadership. Jesus still calls people 2,000 years later to let go of their comfort, let go of what they know, let go of their security, and follow him with faith. It's the greatest decision you could do today is follow the leader named Jesus, and that he would even lead you to bring more followers to him. What would that look like in your life if you said, Jesus, have your way. What are we doing today? And Jesus would probably say something like, I'm calling more people to follow me today. Let's go fishing. And, and Jesus says, along the way, I'm going to make you somebody. I'm going to make you into the leader. What does Jesus mean when he says, you know, there's this moment in the gospel of John. Jesus is doing all types of great things. And Jesus goes, you think that's great? Even greater things you'll do than me. What does he mean by that? I don't know all of what he means by that. Here's what I do know. He expected us to be leaders. He expected us to be influencers. He expected us to have the spirit of God leading through us. Jesus expects his body, his bride, his branches to do great things. So that's why I'm leaning into the subject of leadership momentum. In fact, on the fourth Sunday of every month, we're doing a class. It's called our lead class. All right? Fourth Sunday of every month. It's kicking off in October. On the fourth Sunday of October, if you want to mark it down in your calendar, I would encourage you to do that. Everybody is invited to go to the lead class. But here's what I know. After seven years of church planting, not everybody in this room is going to go. So I'm bringing it to you here today. Okay, come on. All right? <laughs> You're automatically in the lead class right now. Sorry, I'm not sorry, all right? I just decided I would give us a sample of the leadership class because, hey, you know what? In November, they might say, hey, I missed the October sermons that Hayden preached. Go to the lead class. And we want you to go to it on the fourth Sunday of this month. It's going to happen right here at 1045 a.m. I'm grateful for that. So I want to bring you into it. I'm going to put the word lead up on the screen. And this word lead is how we define 
who's a leader, what's a leader, what do, we, what do we mean at Walk Church when we say leader? We've actually developed it into an acronym, okay? So the L-E-A-D all are, are very intentional. When you think of the word lead, we want you to think of these four words. If you got to say got it. Got it. All right, are you ready for the L? Yes. Are you ready for the L? Yes. Leaders are learners. As we define what a leader is, again, we're not using everybody's definition for a leader. We're saying our definition, when we look for leaders, when we have our leadership goggles on, when we're trying to help people grow in leadership momentum, here's where we start. Leaders are learners. The thing I want to ask you today, are you a learner? To process that question, to think through, hey, am I a learner? I believe that leaders are learners. I want to talk to you about that subject today. Leaders are learners. Check out this quote with me from a pastor that I deeply respect, Pastor Rick Warren. He pastors a church in, called Saddleback in California. He actually recently retired. Um, I, was, I was with a few of his former staff members um, this past week, and they said Pastor Rick preached the first sermon he ever preached at Saddleback for his last sermon he ever preached at Saddleback. And after 40 years of pastoring this incredible megachurch, it was the same message. It was beyond mission, make disciples, Amen. think about the kingdom, all that type of stuff. It's crazy to think about that journey. Here, here he is. Here's what Rick Warren says in a quote. He says, all leaders are learners. The moment you stop learning, you stop leading. I learn as much as I can from as many as I can, as often as I can. And I want to challenge you in this next season to embrace this mentality. It's this mentality that says, you know what? I'm not a know-it-all. I'm a learn-it-all. I don't have it all figured out. You ever been around somebody that just, fig they just have to tell you that they have it all? Yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I already know that. Yeah, I've read the whole Bible. No, you haven't. What, what, what does it say in Habakkuk? You, you could probably read it again. You, know? you didn't even know there was a book called Habakkuk, all right? There's a lot of wisdom in that book, too. I love it. But I'm just saying, don't be a know-it-all. Be a learn-it-all. I struggle being around know-it-alls personally because when a person has to tell you that they're a know-it-all, they're really just telling you I'm not a leader. When somebody's asking questions, when somebody's leaning in, when somebody is intentional and initiating, I think this is a leader alert. This person has leadership momentum on their life because leaders... Our learners. When we first started planting Walk Church, I made the decision I want to learn from the best church planters that are out there. And somebody said, oh, You should go to this conference in Birmingham. So I got a plane ticket and I went out to Birmingham to learn. I had my notebook ready. And then I met some other individuals. They said, No, no, you need to go to this cohort in Atlanta. So I signed up for the cohort. And I did a nine month cohort in a a Atlanta. And I was learning and, and leaning in. Somebody said, no, no, you need to go to this church. You need to sit under this leadership. And I just wanted to just soak in so much information. Nobody asked me to do any of those things. I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to lean in because I wanted to get better. Leaders, my friend, are, are learners. I, I heard this uh, story, just um, Matt Barnes, he's a former NBA basketball player. He was reflecting on a moment he had with Kobe Bryant on the airplane. He said they, were, they just finished a game. 
they were flying to an away game and it was in the middle of the night, all the lights in the plane were off, everybody was sleeping and Matt says he woke up and just started to make his way to the front because he saw a, a light on. And he gets to the front of the plane and there's Kobe ferociously studying a film of the team they're about to play. And he goes, yo, Kobe, what are you doing? And Kobe says, come on, sit down with me and let me show you the X's and O's. This is what this team does. I'm learning all of their plays right now. And Matt said, man, I'm going back to sleep, bro. I loved listening to that story because it showed me Kobe's mentality was a learning mentality, a leader mentality. I'm not taking this for granted. I'm I'm getting better. And I just want to encourage you today that you can get better. I want to give you three ways that you can become a learner, all right? Three ways that you can become a learner. If leaders are learners, maybe today you're saying, well, how do I become a learner? I want to give you three, okay? Let me give you the first one. Number one, learn from the Lord. If you're going to learn from anybody, learn from the Lord. Amen? Learn from the capital L-O-R-D. The Lord. The best way, not the only way, the best way to learn from the Lord that I've found is in his book. I believe you can learn so much from his voice. Learn so much from his book. In fact, I found a confirmation for this point today in Proverbs chapter 9. Did anybody read the Proverbs this morning? Anybody check out Proverbs chapter 9? Well, you should have. Let me ask you this. The Bible declares that there's one person outside of Jesus who's the wisest person to ever live. Do you know his name? Solomon. Solomon decided to write down 31 chapters of wisdom. That means there's a chapter of wisdom for each day of the month, and we are walking past it daily. I've been reading the book of Proverbs every single day for the past decade, the past 10 years. Sometimes I have a conversation, I'm literally speaking in Proverbs. Because the Proverbs are are consuming my mind and heart, and I believe it makes you a better leader. Some believe that Solomon wrote the Proverbs after all of the mistakes he made. That's why he's emphatic about what to do and what not to do. So I opened up Proverbs 9 this morning. I want to be a learner. Before I'm a leader, I'm a learner. Speak to me, Lord. Check out Proverbs 9. Check out this verse. Verse 7. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they'll love you. You know what that says to me? Leaders are learners. He says, hey, you know what? If you correct somebody and they just insult you right back, they're saying they're a mocker. If you, if you correct somebody, if you rebuke somebody, if you help somebody see something differently and they abuse you, he's saying that, that, that person's wicked. He says, in fact, do not rebuke a mocker. They'll just hate you. You tell somebody or correct somebody in a certain way and they just get their... They just grab their ball. I'll go to a different court and, and unfollow, and I hate you. Dang. You rebuke a wise person, they're going to give you a hug. Thank you for helping me see it. You helped me get better. I'm going to keep leading, and I'm going to lead better because you loved me enough to tell me an area I was wrong in. Verse 9, instruct the wise. Check this out. They'll be wiser still. 
says, if you instruct a wise person, they're going to just get wiser. <laughs> Teach the righteous, they will add to their learning. Leaders are learners. Add to, your, add to your learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Start there. Start with the fear of God. Don't go, go to God today and say, God, I'm big enough and smart enough and strong enough. I just don't need you. That would be a bad place to start. In fact, you should reverse that and say, God, I'm small enough. I'm limited enough. My lifespan is short enough. I really need you. Uh, in fact, I, I have a fear of you, so Lord, would you teach me? Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, for through wisdom, your days will be many. Hey, learning will help you have a fuller life. Your years will be added to your life. Solomon says, here's how years can be added to your life. I'm not, whoa, I want to double click on that. Wait, what is it? Excuse me? If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. Leaders are learners. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. Now, I'm so glad that I didn't jump straight to ESPN this morning and get a bunch of stats and a bunch of facts that really don't help me. I'm not saying you shouldn't look at sports scores because I'm going to do that today as well, but not before this. But not before... Hey, you might mess around and look at the scores and be discouraged. When this is a whole leadership meal in one proverb reading, this sets the tone for your day. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Let me say it to you again. Visit many good books. But live in the Bible, friend. David, King David says it like this. He says, I meditate on your law. Day, anybody know what he says? And night. So you might pull up on David randomly and be like, yo, David, what you thinking about? I'm thinking about the word. I'm meditating on the word. Nighttime. Yo, Dave, what, what you got on your mind? The word. I'm medit I'm, you look like you're in a meditative state, Dave. I'm meditating on the word. And I just want to tell you today, you can read this book. Listen to me, leader. You can read this book. I once heard John Maxwell say this. He goes, some of these organizations pay me hundreds of thousands of dollars just to teach them Proverbs. <laughs> now, I don't tell them it's from the Proverbs. I just, I just package it just enough. To, and they go, man, where'd you get that from? And he goes, now nah, I got him. <laughs> where'd you learn that principle from? Leaders are learners. I found that to be true. Let me give you the second way you can le learn. Learn from leaders. I know it, it seems like a layup because it is. It's simple, but it's true. Friend, I want to encourage you to learn from other leaders. I want you to take time to initiate. Oh, hear me when I say that. Come on, somebody say the word initiate. initiate. I found that, that leaders aren't passive, aren't waiting for others to do it. Leaders are initiating themselves. I, I've made it a point in my life to meet with leaders all around our city. Whenever I meet with leaders, 
I always come with my notebook ready. And I always come with questions. I always come with focus. And I always come ready to pay. Because this is a moment to learn. This is a moment to lead. This is a moment to lean in. But if I could just tell you something that I've found to be almost a little bit convicting. I don't want anybody to feel bad here. I'm just sharing something with you because um, I think it's, it's helpful to learn from in our church. I would say in the seven years of our church planning journey, I can only think of a handful of people who have ever set up a meeting with me just to learn. Who said, hey, Hayden, here's an email. I'm, I'm writing this. Or Hayden, here's a message. Or Hayden, I want to pull you aside. Hey, can I learn from you? I can't think of many examples. But, but I want to encourage you to do that. Maybe not with me only, though. Because I only have so much space, I'll give you an honest answer. I'll give you a route where you can maybe potentially do that. Come on, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the Level Up Leadership Podcast. And I should have known to start it after Pastor Wes got back from South Africa. Because <laughs> so many of you have said, when's the first episode drop? And I was like, I called Wes, he was on the plane. <laughs> we still got to record it. <laughs> but oh, so much, so much, I'm pumped up about it. I, I want to encourage you to, to, to get it. Uh, go to the podcast store, type in Hyde Radner Level Up Leadership Podcast, because I'm going to impart some stuff in that and have guests from that, and, and it's going to be uh, hopefully a helpful time. But listen to it. Don't just listen to listen. Listen to learn. Find somebody who has leadership momentum. Don't just consider me. I'm just using me as an example. But I learn from other people in our church. Sometimes I, I meet up with people in our church to learn, and they're like, hey, I'm supposed to be learning from you. I said, I'm learning from you. I'm growing leadership from you. There's amazing leaders within this body. If you took the time to initiate and to pick, pick their brain, ask meaningful questions. Friend, you can learn here on Sunday. Hey, let me just challenge you with something. Leaders, hear me. I'm referring. Don't, don't roll into here about 15 minutes late. <laughs> slouch on your chair. Oh, what's the sermon on today? Don't yawn during the sermon. Be a leader. Come on, sit up. Get a pen. Get a notepad. Lean in and say, I'm here to get better. I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. I'm alongside other leaders, too, that are here to get better, learn, and grow. And we're going somewhere together. It's not just a team of pastors. It's a team of leaders. I believe every person in this room has potential to be a leader. Let me give you that Spurgeon quote one more time. Can I give it to you one more time? It says, it says, uh, learn, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. Oh, don't miss this first part. Can I tell you this? Leaders are readers. Now, a few years ago, I realized that I was a professional book starter. Oh, man, I could start the heck out of a book. I could get through that first chapter, ooh, with momentum. And then I'd likely start another one. Anybody can relate? Okay, thank you. I'm not by myself. And then I realized the Holy Spirit was like, God, you got to learn how to finish. You're leaving too much meat on the table. you got to finish. One thing that we've been doing with our staff is we're always reading through a leadership book. Our staff meets weekly together, and we discuss what God's showing us through different 
content and books. Sometimes we'll read a leadership book that has to do with our Christian faith. Sometimes we'll read a leadership book that's even in the secular world that we can take the principles and apply to the Bible and grow as, as leaders. Sometimes we'll read a book that has to do with influencing people and winning friends. That's what we're reading right now, Dale Carnegie. Sometimes we'll read a book that has leadership in the context of prayer or leadership in community or, 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 or start with why. We're ta- talking about all types of different stuff weekly because we're always growing if you can't read, you may not lead. When I say can't read, I'm saying maybe you, you have an issue with reading, and that's okay, but maybe you can listen to audiobooks. Praise God for audiobooks, amen? Sometimes that's the better way for me to learn is audio, podcasts. What I'm saying is visit many good books. Today, I was just thinking about it. We have a, a little small bookstore over here. Our bookstore consists of books that all of our staff has recommended. So I asked each one of our staff members, if you could give away one book, which book would it be? Those are the books that are in that, that bookstore. But maybe today you're like, you know what? I want to read a book on parenting. I want to, if leaders are learners, let me learn about parenting better. Like pick up Paul Tripp's book, 14 Gospel Principles for Your Family. One of my favorite books on finances, The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. I visit this book yearly because it just keeps me fresh. I love learning from this book. Maybe you want to learn about God and money. Get this book. Maybe you're interested in the topic of purity and you're, you're, you're fighting against lust. Get this book finally free. Gives you some principles on how to wage war and learn about these topics. One of my favorite devotionals, Experiencing God Day by Day. I, I like to read this devotional daily. It's just a five-minute, powerful, learnable way. Um, I, I made the decision. Everything in the bookstore today is 50% off. So... Pull up to the bookstore and get a bunch of content. Get a bunch. Listen to me. If you're like, man, I don't even got the 50%, that's okay. We, we got the 50%. We love to bless you with it, okay? Just, just get what you need. Get what you'll read. And be a learner. V- visit those things. Grow in the context of the word. Can anybody benefit from this parenting book? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, right here. Come on. Let me get let me, that mark right there. Yeah. Any, can anybody benefit from a daily devotional experience in God, Blackaby? Come on, right here, brother. Can anybody benefit from a financial... Uh, all right, now don't hit nobody in the head. Hey! I'm not going to ask about this book in public, all right? God bless. Um, find me, find me. I'll I, I give it to you, all right? I'd love to bless you with it. Visit many good books. Awkward alert. Oh, man, I love it. Praise the Lord. Transparency. You know what? Somebody came, after, came up to me. Yeah, authentic. Somebody came up to me after the first service and just said, you know what? This is going to feel weird to say. In fact, I don't really know how to say it. Um, I said, hey, listen, authentic, just, just go for it. You got it. It's all good. And she just said, you know, I'm, I struggle in the area of lust. And since I was a kid, I have traumatic sexual, sinful stuff in my world, even till this day. But I don't want to stay there anymore. And she was so embarrassed to share that. I just said, listen, you sound like a leader. Leaders are learners. Leaders don't say, I just want to sit back and stay in where I came from. Leaders say, I want to get better. I want to go to the next level. And I said, let me introduce you to the right people to help you take your next step in your walk with Jesus. Let me get you around some godly ladies to help you grow because we're not a perfect church. 
We're a church that's being perfected. And I bet you uh, you'll hear a lot of people, stories, if you want to learn from them, you'll hear that a lot of people have different struggles. Amen? And we learn together. Let me give you the last and final point. Last and final point. Here's how we can be learners. Learn from losses. Come on. Somebody gave me an amen back there. Learn from your losses. I love this quote from Nelson Mandela. He was the first president in South Africa. Come on, Nelson Mandela. I never lose. I either win or I learn. What a word. He says, I'm taking the things that you thought were losses, and I'm turning them into learnable lessons. I was just sharing with a a football coach who goes to our church after the first service. He said, man, it's been a difficult start to the season. I said, well, man, you got so many leadership opportunities. Every game you can go into the locker room and say, what did we learn today? Let's do five things we learned. Don't just put your head down. Think about all the areas you can learn, how you can grow, how you can get better. You can say, you know what, it, I'm, I'm going to turn that L into a learn <laughs> and grow. And, and, and the only way to do that is to have humility. Humility goes before honor. To have a sense, a spirit of, you know what, God, I don't have to have it all together. I just, I want to get better. I want to I wanna learn even through my losses. That, you know what, that's how you don't make the same mistake again, amen? If you have the awareness and the humility to acknowledge a loss then you can actually get better the next time around and not make the same mistake. In fact, you can actually level up in your leadership. You can learn from the Lord first. Let me put those three up on the screen. Learn from the Lord. Um, You can learn from other leaders, and you can learn even from your losses. And that would be my encouragement to you today is to say, okay, if leaders are learners, let me start there. I want to be a learner, Lord, so let me learn from you first. Let me visit other leaders who are in my same profession or my same domain, and let me say, hey, let me learn from you. Can I eat off of you? Can I learn from you? Can you help me get better? And let me even learn from my losses. I would say say today a challenging quote that I once heard from a, a friend of mine named Omar Reyes. He says, a lot of people are leading, but they're not actually leading. He says it like this, Omar Reyes, he, uh, he, he gave me a crazy idea for leadership. He says, if you look back and no one's following you, you're not leading. You're just taking a walk. I said, oh, uppercut, right? I think you can have people learning from you. Maybe you start out taking a walk, learning, and then you're going to have other people that want to learn from you. Other people that are saying, hey, let, hey. Hey, I saw you do that. Let me, learn. Let me learn from you. I saw somebody do something recently. I pulled them aside. Hey, I saw, I saw how you did that. Teach me. Teach me too. Let me get better from you. Don't be so prideful that you can't learn from somebody else. Amen? Leaders are learners. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we do recognize in order to be a learner, we need you, Lord. Come on, can we just pray that? Lord, we need you. We need you, God. We need you. We're not not smart enough in ourselves. We need you, Jesus. We want to be learners. So, Lord, right now, even in this posture of prayer, in this moment of 
just contemplative prayer. Ask the Lord to help you. Today, if you don't know Jesus, another opportunity right now for you to get to know him. Another opportunity for you to just call upon his name and just say, Jesus, I need you. I want to learn from you. And I trust you. Lead me. Lead me, Lord. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior today, I want to invite you to get to know him. Today, if you've never surrendered your life to him and his leadership, oh, friend, do it today. Call upon his name right now. It says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. God, we call on your name. We ask for your help. And as we respond to this song right now in this sermon, um, we embrace your grace. For all of our leadership losses, we embrace your grace. For all of the times we've blown it, we embrace your grace. And Lord, we're ready to become the leaders you called us to be today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Come on.